Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. This is our third episode in our Great North Run Nutrition Milestone series. Our focus today is on practicing during and post-run fueling so that you'll be race ready in a few weeks. We've also got a few more topics to share with you today that we hope will be really helpful for race preparation. Welcome to our Great North Run Nutrition Milestone Series, dedicated to supporting everyone training in the 2022 Great North Run with food and nutrition tips. This is for you if you've got a place in this year's Great North Run and it's your first half marathon, or perhaps you're experienced in half marathons but haven't focused on nutrition before now. So whether this is your first half marathon or your 10th, we aim to support you in being Great North Run ready over the next 16 weeks with strategically timed nutrition tips and advice at every stage of your training plan. We want you to be fit and fueled for race day. We'll share tips and suggestions to give you big results in your running performance. We'll be covering run training milestones, nutrition milestones, rest and recovery rituals, injury healing and recovery tips, mindset mojo, and some Great North Run fun and factoids. Each episode, we will build on the previous episode, so by the time the event day arrives, you're going to feel race ready. And although we're tracking this iconic event, we're sure you'll find the information interesting and helpful for any half marathon preparations. We'd love you to share this episode with your running friends so that they can benefit from the nutritional insights given in this milestone series. We do hope you find our advice helpful. Let us know how you're progressing on your training. We'd love to hear from you. And you can reach us at hello at runnershealthhub.com. And we'd ask you to listen to the end of the episode as we've got a special offer for you. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Karen, and I'm here with Aileen, as always. And we're back for the third episode in our Great North Run Milestone series. And it's nine weeks until race week, so uh, it's getting closer. So we hope that you're following a consistent training plan now and that you're beginning to feel the benefits of your healthy foundational nutritional plan. So just as a reminder, our expertise is in the realm of nutrition here. So when we start to talk to you about other aspects of your run training, we are speaking from our experience as runners. We're not running coaches or sports therapy um, practitioners here. Um, But we can recommend other experts if you 
did feel that you needed more specific advice. And also just as a reminder that um, if you'd like additional support, do check out our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program and use a special discount code RACE, R-A-C-E, to get the program for only £97. And um, all the details will be at the end of this episode. So you'll get more details then. So Aileen, what have we got planned to discuss today? Hi, everyone. Hi, Karen. I can't believe that we're uh, sort of on episode three of the series, Um, but we're going to follow a similar format to um, our previous Great North Run episodes. And uh, I want to say the last one was episode 98, but I I haven't actually checked, so I'm not sure. Um, So we'll maybe check that as we go along. Um, In any case, if you're here for the first time, uh, you might want to go back and listen to the previous two episodes in this series. Uh, but today we're going to do our usual. We'll we'll start with talking about run training milestones. Um, and also with that, we're going to be checking where you should be in your run training just to really keep you on track at this point of the, the training plan and training countdown. Then we'll move on to nutrition milestones. And today we're going to talk about how to how to start practicing uh, nutrition during and, and post running. So that during and post fueling for all of your training runs and uh, we'll maybe have a a touch on hydration and electrolytes as we go along. Um, With regards to rest and recovery rituals, we're going to talk about sleep. And then with talking about healing and recovery, our focus is going to be on soft tissue injuries um, to help you just in case you get any of those along the way. And then the final part of the episode, we're going to be building some mental resilience to help you cope with the the tough spots during the training and and of course on race day and then finally we'll round up with some great north run fun and factoids as ever Great. Excellent. So lots to to chat about. So let's get started um, with this episode's run training plan milestones. So Aileen it's over to you. Thanks Karen. So just to to recap uh, on our discussion the last time uh, we, we talked about the importance of having your training plan mapped out and scheduled in your diary and also tips on overcoming some of the resistance we may have uh, regards action in our training because we talked about how great it is to plan but it's also sometimes quite difficult to action our plan uh, and if you know that if you've been listening to the previous episodes you'll know that I'm following a uh, half marathon plan by ASICS and um, it's a 12-week plan but I've adapted it over 16 weeks mainly to accommodate my holidays um, in the middle of the, the training plan. Um, so there are three weeks within my 16 weeks that I'm going to be hill walking and realistically I know that I'm not going to be running. I remember last year doing a similar thing and having this debate with one of my um, holiday friends, which should I take my running shoes? And they were just like laughing, saying, don't be ridiculous. Um, so <laughs> I didn't. Anyway, at this point of my training, um, I'm running three times a week, but it's all very easy paced. Um, and their training plan suggests a 7K, a 10K, and uh, my long run is a 14K. Um, so, and also within that, including some hill running, so so that's what's going on training wise. And hopefully people are at that sort of level of their training, too, at this point in the plan. 
Mm. So you said that you're doing a 7K, a 10K and a 14K run at the moment, Aileen. So if we were to think about the 14K marker on the GNR route, where would that be? Right. So last time we talked about uh, White Mare Pool. So further along, uh, you'll have probably just pass the time tunnel road signs. You won't be going to the time tunnel. Don't be. Uh, <laughs> you might feel that you want to, you know, leave the course and go to the time tunnel, but don't do that. Keep running, and uh, you'll be getting into South Shields by this area. So you're around about mile nine, and it's a, you know, I've said before, you get a warm welcome everywhere, but particularly in South Shields, you're in a sort of a local residential area, and. Um, it's locals who are lining the streets and they're all amazing and they'll have tables set out with all sorts of refreshments so things like orange segments jelly babies ice lollies biscuits you you'll be offered all sorts of things um and it's a real party atmosphere you know whatever the weather they will be there uh, and if it's a hot day that there'll be even people offering to hose you down with their garden hose uh, to spray some cool water on the the hot runners um so, you know, you, you get a lot of hospitality there. And around about that area, one of my um, landmarks at this point is to look out. There's always a guy doing an Elvis impersonation. He sort of does a, I don't know whether he does that as a as a job, but he certainly does every Great North Run. And uh, he's a bit of a milestone. And people talk about him. They'll say, did you see Elvis? Um, so that's how you know that you'll be at that point. Yeah, you know, it just sounds as though everybody gets involved in the GNR, whether they're runners or not, but everybody gets involved and there's a lot of camaraderie and support along the way, isn't there? There is indeed. There is yes. Indeed. Okay, so over the next four weeks until our next episode, how should people's run training be progressing, Aileen? Uh, well, so far, I've been doing three runs a week. Um, the training plan that I'm following suggests stepping it up to four runs a week. So um, a couple of short, easy 5Ks, uh, an interval run of around 10K, which includes hills, and then uh, working up gradually to a longer run, which is around 18K. Um, and by that time, uh, in our plan, we're probably going to be around about um, the 4th of August. So that gives you a sort of an idea of, of how far we've got to go. Um, so I'm going to assess whether I think four runs is supportive to me or not. Um, I might feel it's better for me to stick to three training runs. Um, and I think the reason for that is I'll be factoring in switching from the heavy hill walking um to back to run training early in August. And I remember last year that being a bit of a killer on my legs. Um, so, you know, it's quite an adjustment to do a lot of hill walking and then suddenly start running again. Um, so from early August, my run, my long run will be about 18K um, or a little bit longer. Everybody can, you know, decide what they want to do, whether they want to make it longer or not. And I'll, I'll keep at that level on my long runs until we start tapering down on race week. Right. So you've got it all planned out, Aileen. I think that's a really key point that that you make is really to listen to your body. And, and if it is necessary, lighten the, the running schedule and swap to another supportive training session if you need to. And I suppose that would that would support any 
niggles as well if you were feeling you had any niggles and um, if you're not signed up to any summer 10k races yet then maybe July and August would be a great time to to do that just to support that being race ready and also just being in a race environment I find that that really supports me as I go through my training is just entering races because it's a different it's a different approach to running it's a different mindset when you're actually in a race yeah I think that's a great suggestion Karen I think doing a 10k race as part of your training plan will really help get you race ready and it's motivating I think as well being part of an event it boosts your confidence um, and it can also help you reconnect with why your training plan you know is so important I, I remember you know one summer doing a 10k and thinking right, you really need to dig in now with your training because you would have to do double that and a little bit more um, for the Great North Run. So it, it is a, a reminder, although, you know, you tend to run a 10K faster, so it's a slightly different um, feeling. Um, but anyway, I think by this point in your training plan, uh, we're really hoping that you're in a nice, steady, consistent routine and ready to step up the distances in, in the coming month. Um so I'm just sort of thinking, Karen, are there any other training challenges that runners might have at this point of their training? Well, at this point in their training, they're probably about halfway through that training plan. And I suppose the pitfalls that you could potentially face at this point is that you get an injury, which might affect your training, um, or it might be that it just feels really challenging sticking to your training and your nutrition plan and still got the same length of time to go until race day. And um, and also that I would just say it's about just remember to reconnect with your big why to help you get through that. So, um, so those are the little sort of um, physical and psychological challenges that people might face at the moment. Um, so from that, Aileen, shall we now um, move on and think about our nutrition and what we should be paying attention to in this phase of training? So um, just before you you move on, Aileen, just I wanted to recap on what we've discussed in the first two episodes of this series regarding nutrition milestones. Now, firstly, you remember that we talked about the importance of the nutrition foundations for everyday meal plans and easy training. And we suggested that um, if you are an early morning runner, you might try out fasted state running for your easy runs that are under 90 minutes. And for all your runs over 90 minutes, we recommend that you eat your pre-run meal or snack two hours before you start your run. Now, if you can't fit in a pre-run meal, then think about having a quick release carbohydrate snack around about 30 to six minutes before you start your run. And, um, and we hope really that you've now practiced and feel comfortable with eating a meal or snack prior to each run, each run. And that is your pre-run fueling, really. So what we're going to do today is um, we're going to talk about how you can practice during run fueling and post-run fueling. So, so Aileen, why can you maybe tell everybody why we need to fuel during an endurance run what what are the key reasons for this 
Yeah, well, the, the key reasons are that our body can only store a limited amount of carbohydrate as glycogen, and mostly that's in the liver and the skeletal muscles. So, um, you know, for, you know, this is a sort of generalization, but it's thought that um, we can store 100 grams um, of glycogen in the liver and, and 50 grams in the skeletal muscles. And that's why glycogen is a limiting factor in, in running performance. Um, so the fueling or the, or the focus of our fueling in an endurance run is, is really to keep the glycogen stores topped up. And so that's stored, it, you know, glycogen is stored energy from carbohydrates in case anybody didn't know. Um, and so that's why it's really important to introduce quick release carbohydrate foods early into the run, because that's going to keep you topped up and you're not going to uh, be completely depleted. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to reiterate there, so you, you've got the, the glycogen in the liver and the skeletal muscles. Now, like you were saying, Aileen, it's it's a really small amount when you think about it. You know, you've only got 100 grams that's stored in the liver and most of that is used up overnight because the liver's really busy overnight. And then you've got 500 grams that is stored in the skeletal muscles, which is a bit more, but considering the distances people are running, it's still not a huge amount. And that's why um these quick release carbohydrate foods and introducing them early in the run is really supportive so foods considered to be quick release carbohydrates which you might think about trying um during your runs include the and we discuss these a lot in in different platforms including um the podcast are raisins medjool dates dried mango, uh, homemade flapjacks, and of course the Ella kitch- Ella's Kitchen um, pouches that we advocate if you prefer to sort of drink your energy rather than eat it. And there's uh, mango and banana, which are really good um, varieties. And also sweet potato, if you prefer something that's just slightly more sa- savoury, then you could try the sweet potato one. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be Ella's Kitchens. There are other companies out there as well that do equivalent natural fruit purees so you could try one of those so Aileen what advice would you give regarding when to eat and how often to eat yeah well the general advice would be to introduce these quick release carbohydrate foods within 45 minutes to one hour of of starting your run Um, however some runners do prefer to eat these quick release carbohydrate foods earlier so I think it's really up to individuals to try out what works best for them and um, and then once you've you've started um, you know having something to eat you then continue to eat at regular intervals throughout your run Um, so for you it might be every 30 minutes every 45 minutes every 60 minutes so when you're going through the practice phase, work out what is best for you. And again, you know, the the scientific advice would be to eat between 30 to 60 grams um, per hour of quick release carbohydrate. Um, So when you're practicing, um, you might want to start with a smaller amount and build up to 60 grams an hour in your training. Um, And it's really important that you do that practice uh, so that your nutrition and timing is is ready for for race day. So as an example, I prefer to have some carbohydrate every thirty minutes. Uh, now I tend to go for medjool dates. Um, so ideally, uh, two dates every thirty minutes is my aim. But sometimes 
that is just too much carbohydrate for me to tolerate. And, you know, I I may be a bit unusual in that respect, but I'm quite carbohydrate sensitive. Um, So sometimes it might be more like one every 30 minutes. Um, So I probably don't get up to that 60 gram, uh, but then I'm, I'm not an athlete athlete. I'm just trying to you know, look after myself and um, make sure that I perform the best I can. Uh, and just on a practical note, I often get asked this about my dual dates. People always say, oh, they're a bit messy to, to eat. But what I do is I, I wrap the dates in a small um, paper cupcake wrapper and then they don't get sticky. So it's just like, you know, it's easy to uh, keep in my belt and unwrap as, as I'm running along. Um, so just to give you an idea about how many grams of carbohydrate are in some of these foods. So you, you mentioned raisins, Karen. So 40 grams of raisins will give you um, 30 grams of, of carbohydrate. And the two dates that I mentioned give about 36 grams of carbohydrate. So, I, I mean, from a practical point of view, I think the dates are a bit easier than carrying raisins. But sometimes people like a variety of different things. So, you know, that's another aspect to think, you know, what, what do you like? You know, do you want a mix of foods rather than just one food? And then the Ella's Kitchen pouches um, that we talked about, if you look at their labels, they tend to be about 10 to 14 grams of carbohydrate per sachet. Now, these are uh, designed for children you know they're for babies and toddlers so it, it is going to be less um but just you know it's all going to contribute to the overall uh, carbohydrate picture so um you know just try it out and see what you how you get on so thinking about practicing karen what do you uh, what would you say are the reasons to to practice um fueling during run training sessions before you embark on a race? Yeah, well, I think there are probably two key reasons, Aileen. The first really is to help the digestive system to adapt to eating and digesting food whilst you run, because that does take a, a bit of time to get used to. And um, and you want to do that without triggering any uncomfortable or distressing digestive symptoms. So, um, so that's the reason you want to be practicing and practicing quite early on. So by the time you get to race day, you find out what works and how much you can eat without any symptoms. And secondly, sort of fueling effectively during your run training sessions will really keep your energy levels high during and post your run. So you won't get that um, tired and um, fatigued feeling, hopefully. And also you'll perform better and you'll, you'll enjoy your training better. You'll have less fatigue, which means potentially less risk of injury and you'll recover quickly, ready for your next training run. So really a lot of good reasons to um, to, to fuel and practice fueling during your training. And I think our message really is don't run on empty. And um, also by practicing in your training runs means you are going to be fully prepared, like I say, for fueling on race day and you'll know what works for you. So, Aileen, do you have any tips on practicing um, during run fueling? Yeah, well, I think the main thing uh, to consider is is choose, you know, start by choosing one of the foods we've mentioned and try eating a small amount to begin with. So, for example, if you're going to try the medjool dates, start with one date after 30 minutes, but just eat one date or it might even be half a date. It depends on how you feel. 
And then on your next run, um, eat two days, maybe one at 30 minutes and and, um, another 30 minutes afterwards, so it's 60 minutes. And then just sort of start every time you go out trying to eat a little bit more. Um, And also, you know, remember to know how you feel during and after your run. Um, so some runners um, experience digestive systems what, uh, symptoms when they're, when they're eating and running, but they'll often notice that those symptoms disappear after a few practices um, because your body's got to adapt and get used to it. Um, and it's all about, you know, just allowing your digestive system to um, have this adaptation and to learn to process the quick release carbohydrates while you run so it's all about trialing out foods and as we always say practice 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 until you get uh, a a system that works for you um so uh, yeah that that would be my sort of overall tip um is there anything you you would want to suggest Karen yeah actually just adding to that Aileen another suggestion when thinking about this practice phase that you're in is um you know because you're probably only you'll only be doing one long run a week you might want to trial eating on your shorter runs as well so for example on your one hour runs um not that you'll need the fueling for this distance but it's just helps you start training the digestive system to receive the food and then you know you don't have too long to go until you finish that run if say that particular food um has disagreed with your digestive tract so that would be another another tip yeah and a lot of beginner runners just uh they don't even think about it until two or three days before their first half marathon and then somebody says oh you should be having xxx and then they go into overdrive buying things and then you know they're they're doing things on race day they've never done before and that is a real no-no um so that's that's the the reason really for practicing it's you're training your digestive system and your body um to to respond Mm -hmm. so Karen a question that we get asked all the time is why do we suggest real foods for during run fueling rather than gels Mm, yeah, it is a question we get asked a lot, Aileen. I think that the the main reason, you know, we're nutritional therapists, so food comes first. But also many of the gels that you can buy commercially contain sweeteners and additives that um, are that often aren't made from 100% natural ingredients, which means that they could be hard to tolerate. And again, might, might add to or lead to um, digestive distress. And, um, and and also, you know, we are, are looking at that food first approach, thinking about food sources that contain more than than just the carbohydrates. So we're looking at the whole foods, which are also going to include micronutrients, which um, are also going to con- contribute to your overall health status, but also support your, your running training as well. Um, having said that, you know, some runners do prefer a gel um, for convenience. So if this is the case um, for you, we would really suggest checking the labels of any on a, 
um, gel that you pick up and choose the brands that do use natural um, ingredients. For example, there's the likes of Honey Stinger. Now, I believe you need to purchase that online. I've never seen Honey Stinger products in in any shops and they have um, 21 grams of um, carbohydrates per sachet. And there's also the humor gels and um, you can buy those in selected um, sh- shops, quite often sports-related shops, and they've got 25 grams of carbohydrates per sachet. So, you know, there, there are natural gels out there, but always, always read the label. Now, also uh, with gels, some of them contain caffeine, which may or may not be what you need or want. Um, But I think that's a whole other conversation. And it is one um, that we've dedicated an episode to. So episode 69 is caffeine good for running. So um, I would really recommend that you maybe sort of go back and review that episode if you're if you're thinking about gels and gels that contain caffeine so and just sort of um touching on post-run fueling and some tips on that just remember you can download our free guide um top running snacks and nutrition timing it lists all of our suggestions for food pre during and post-run so um So remember that. But Aileen, what are some quick tips that you could give everyone today? Uh, Well, there's two things I would suggest to consider uh, post-run. We've probably touched on them a little bit in previous episodes. Um, But the first is to eat some quick-release carbohydrate immediately after an endurance run. And when I say immediately, I mean within 30 minutes of completing your run. And the reason for that is it helps optimize glucose uptake and glycogen storage. So um, you could eat a quick release carbohydrate snack with no added protein um, or added fat. Um, So things that you might want to think about would be honey, a ripe banana, raisins, mango slices, that kind of thing. And uh, get into the habit of doing that so that, um, again, it's something you get used to because often people say they don't like to eat immediately after a run. But the more you do it, the more your body will be trained, as, as we talked about earlier. And um, the second bit of advice is to eat your next snack or meal within two hours of completing your run. And when you're thinking about um, the ratio of macronutrients there, you should be thinking about uh, a ratio of four to one, four to one carbohydrates to one part protein. Um, So the reason to do that is to repair the muscle. It'll help support the immune system. It helps prevent a DOM, so that delayed onset muscle soreness. And and also it's going to speed up your recovery so that you're you're fit and well ready for your next training session. And and it just overall supports training adaptation. Um, So the focus there is four parts carbohydrate, one part protein. Um, Suggestions that I would make for, for would be... um, maybe a snack. Um, If you're having a snack, make it a smoothie or maybe some oat cakes, perhaps with a mackerel or sardine pate um, or toast with eggs. So you you sort of focus in on the carbohydrates with a little bit of protein. Um, And my sort of go-to post-run meals, um, again, I I keep it simple. Uh, So it might be something like a sweet 
a baked sweet jacket potato with with cottage cheese and salad or maybe something like a chicken casserole with rice um so that it's, it's easy to easy to grab and easy to um to eat um so yeah that's that's the two things i would say so remember post run quick release carbohydrate and then have your meal or snack within two hours of completing your run um so karen um moving on from that is there anything you'd like to add about hydration at this stage of training yes well in in previous episodes we've talked about the importance of of that optimal everyday hydration so that you're not dehydrated before you start your run and we've also talked about the practicing um carrying your water and sipping water whilst you're running now at this stage especially as we are in the summertime i would say just try to be conscious of increasing your water um intake and relating that to the weather and also your own sweat rate as well and um, because and, and you might also find that because we're in the warmer weather that you're sweating more due to that environmental temperatures and because you're working harder over longer distances as well now you might also want to um think about adding some electrolyte drops into your body now we like the body bio elite drops and um and i think that's um all to be aware of at this point in time i think regarding hydration aileen so um so before we move on shall we just short st- stop for a, a little um pause for um an advert break aileen and i'll hand back to you for that okay karen thanks um so this is the moment in the episode where karen and i just take a minute to talk to you about what we do outside of the podcast and um, we really hope that you're getting lots of value from this great north run milestone series however sometimes it can be helpful to have a shorter summary and some visuals to help you put our suggestions into practice so today we thought it would be a good idea just to let you know about our 30 minute half marathon plus video lesson and uh, this is uh, a nutrition video all about what you need for half marathon distance and beyond. So that's where the plus comes from. And uh, the lesson uh, that we've prepared for you really consolidates all the nutritional information we've been sharing with, but with a focus on how you can adjust the macronutrient balance for moderate and heavy training. And we also give you an example of a one day food plan. As part of that um, video lesson, you get a downloadable PDF of the athlete plate diagrams that we mentioned during the episodes. Um, so it can be a really helpful thing to just go along with listening to the, the podcast series. So it's a 30 minute half marathon uh, video lesson and it's available on our website uh, for only £29. So if you take a look at runnershealthhub.com, um, click on the work for us. Um, link and you'll find the details there and just to also remind you uh, if you are interested in our easy nutrition for healthy runners program which is a is a deeper dive again uh, it also gives you a weekly personal support um, in our zoom coaching circle so you can drop into our zoom room and have a quick chat with us about anything that's uh, on your mind or just to check that you're doing the right thing Um, And if you would like to um, join the program, remember that we've got a special discount code for you to use at the checkout. And the code is RACE, 
R-A-C-E, and that gives you £200 off the full price. So you can join us for only £97. And uh, we will explain all of that again at the end of the episode. So um, listen out for that towards the end of the episode. Great. Thanks, Aileen. So now let's think about your rest and recovery plans. And just to recap on um, the previous episodes, we have already talked about the importance of having one full rest day. So that's a day of no running every week. And this will really allow the muscles to repair and help to reduce the risk of injuries. And then adding active recovery into your weekly plan will also help you. And that will help you um, to sort of recover and and um, perform well in your next run. Last time we just we covered the importance of pre and post stretching, so adding in some dynamic stretching before you go out on a run and some static stretching post run and also to think about using a foam roller for that self myofascial um, release. So that's really important. Now, if anybody is thinking that actually a foam roller would be um, really good for for them and you maybe don't have one, we would suggest looking at um, mymeglio.com where you can, um, they've got lots of different types of support for stretching and um, for foam rolling as well. And they have really kindly offered a £10 a 10% discount for you and all you need to do is use the coupon code RHH so Runners Health Hub but the the the, the title um, RHH10 at the checkout so a little bit of discount there for you. Now hopefully all of this is part of your training and recovery plan now and you're finding it quite easy to do. So Aileen are there any other rest and and recovery strategies runners could consider to support their training now and going forward? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to be uh, <laughs> Rest and recovery is, um, is a big part of uh, a runner's life, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it would be good to mention the performance triangle today, uh, which is a concept designed to explain the interactions between training, nutrition and rest on athletic performance. Um, the important thing to consider here is that the three sides of the triangle are equal. So each element is of the equal perform uh, equal importance to performance. Um, so and as you mentioned earlier, Karen, we've already talked about rest days. But another important part of rest is having good quality sleep. Um, so when you're thinking about the three parts of the triangle, you know, rest stroke sleep is is one uh, part of the triangle um, and it's said that if if one aspect of the triangle is neglected it could cause the other two to suffer so for example if we're concentrating on our training to the detriment of our sleep that could lead to um, deterioration in sleep quality and then that could then lead to development of injury and illness and overtraining syndrome so it's a bit of a domino effect really and obviously, neglecting our sleep could lead to many outcomes that could hurt our running and exercise performance. So I, th- I think it's a really good, easy concept to, to uh, remember and be reminded of. Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. And like you say, you know, poor sleep can can really hurt our running and exercise performance. And, um, you know, it can it can lead to that um 
uh, lead to different sort of um, um, running performance issues, including impaired glycogen repletion. So um, optimal glycogen stores, as we know, are essential for a runner for, for fueling. But if we've got poor sleep, that could be impaired. Also decreased muscle synthesis. Now, again, we need that lean muscle um, for strength and for power. Even as a runner, you know, we speak about strength and power linked to resistance training, but we still need that um, as a runner as well. It also can lead to poor muscle recovery. So there's an increased risk of injury there, but also poor cognitive function. And that can lead to slow reaction time and poor judgment and decision making, both within our running, but also outside of that as well. So, you know, sleep is really important. And I do think it is often neglected. We just keep going until everything's completed during the day. And then it just it squeezes sleep out um, and, and people kind of ignore the importance of it. Yeah, and I think one of the other um, things that happens when we've had a poor night's sleep and people might identify with this it's it can lead to poor food choices so you know that feeling when you've had a bad night's sleep and you just seem to eat all the wrong foods and drinks the next day and um, you know that poor sleep and poor food choices can affect insulin sensitivity and affect our ability to replenish glycogen stores following exercise as well as, you know, you mentioned there, Karen, our ability to synthesize muscle protein. So it can feel like a vicious cycle because, um, you know, the the poor sleep um, drives us towards the poor food choices like high sugar foods. And and, and often we can, you know, resort to having sugary foods and caffeine to try and uh, give us a lift. But they also can be the ones that can contribute to disrupting the sleep patterns. So you feel tired, you eat badly, you eat badly, it makes you sleep worse the next day. Um, so uh, it is a big problem. And it's one that we've we've talked about um, a few times. And I'd suggest if, if you're struggling with quality of sleep, then check out some of the episodes we've covered in a little bit more detail. So there was episode 13, which is uh, sleep essentials. Episode 33, we talk about food that will help promote good sleep. And episode 50, we talk about eat, sleep, run, which is a, a more deeper intake on the um, the performance triangle that we've, we've talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact that we've dedicated three separate episodes to the subject just shows its importance. Um, Okay, so let's move on now and um, talk uh, briefly about injury and recovery. So Aileen, what can you tell us? Okay, so just um, reminding us what we've talked about before in injury healing and recovery. Um, We've talked about dealing with aches and pains and niggly injuries and dealing with them quickly, Um, perhaps consulting with your local physio or sports therapist. Um, We also talked about um, some tips to help alleviate DOM, so that delayed onset muscle soreness. Um, But today, uh, what I thought I would um, highlight is some nutritional support for soft tissue injuries, um, because I think these injuries are probably the most common amongst runners. So typical soft soft tissue injuries, it's quite a tongue twister, uh, include things like IT band syndrome, plantar fasciitis, muscle strains, Achilles tendinopathy, 
and another similar muscle tendon or connective tissue injury. So they're sort of a, the soft tissue injury is a sort of an umbrella term, mm-hmm. I think, for lots of different uh, similar injuries. Absolutely. There are so many that um, can affect a runner. And we do talk about this in detail in episode 26, nutrition for soft tissue injury. Now, there are three phases to repair and recovery of soft tissue injury and specific nutrients need to be considered for each phase. So it is worth listening to these episodes if you if you do have an injury. But just to give you a quick overview In phase one, nutrition is really important in helping prevent chronic inflammation setting in. But this said, you know, the acute inflammatory cascade is actually important in the overall healing process. Um, It's when it becomes chronic. So this acute phase, um, phase one, usually lasts around three days. And at this point, you might consider magnesium and calcium in a ratio of two to one. Um, You might think about proteolytic enzymes, maybe including turmeric, ginger and garlic, because using these nutrients therapeutically will be really supportive and all are well known for sort of inhibiting that chronic inflammatory cascade. So, um, so that would be my advice. So that's phase one. So what happens in, in phase two, Karen? Well, in phase two, if there is still swelling and restriction in mobility, then um, phase one nutrition might continue for longer. So you just keep going with um, what we've already spoken about. Then the focus is on the, the swift introduction of specific nutrients to really help minimize any scar tissue and help reduce the risk of re-injury and or that tissue degeneration. Now, one key area to support is collagen building. So you might want to consider adding nutrients for building collagen. And there are lots of nutrients required for that, but four that spring to mind and and that are key are vitamin, manganese, omega-3 and also protein. Or you might think about using a collagen supplement at this point. And this this phase... um, could last up to about eight weeks. And then just sort of quickly thinking about phase three and the nutrition there, that really is about building on the nutrition introduced in phases one and two. And that's really to sort of attain and maintain the tissue health so that you can return to your running whilst really trying to minimise the chance of that re-injury. So those are the three phases and the, the nutrition to support support them. So Aileen, you had a soft tissue injury, I remember, uh, recently, but not one people would imagine. What can you tell us about your um, your recent soft tissue injury? Yeah, well, I've certainly been through the three phases. Um, I, I tripped on a pavement and basically what happened was I it all happened very quickly. I fell onto my left side and my face took the full, full force of the fall. Um, so it was really shocking. Uh, I actually I think I hit my head against a, a, a wall as I as I tripped. And, um, and my face did look awful for a few days. And you can testify that, Karen, because I shared <laughs> the photos and it was it was awful. Um, but what 
what was really interesting for me was because the injury was so visible, it was easy to see the three phases that we've been talking about. And it really reminded me of what we have to do when we can feel an injury, but not necessarily see it, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, because sometimes we forget. And and obviously you were talking about the three phases there. And I think the three phases, the timing of the three phases will depend on how severe the injury is really. Um, but but as you would imagine, I did have all of these nutritional supplements available at home. Uh, so I was able to really very quickly focus on what I call my nutritional first aid. And, uh, you know, I think that that really helped me recover relatively quickly. And because it was so visible, it was easy to to track it. It was, you know, from a, apart from feeling awful, it was interesting to see how it, how the healing happened. Um so if you are listening and you would like help, uh, we do offer a supplement review call. Um, and during that call, we assess what your requirements are and we will put a supplement plan together for you. So if, you, if you're interested in that, you can book uh, and pay direct to our website. So again, you know, as always, look at the work with us page at runnershealthhub.com and you'll see supplement review and um, you can book in uh, a session with us. So what I'll do, Karen, is I'll list um, my favorite supplements for injury healing in the show notes. Um, And uh, I'll also put that uh, elite drops in there as well that you mentioned, because that might be helpful to people. Um, Now, it's important to mention that some nutrients in supplements may interact with specific medications. Um, And so it's really important that... um, you make sure that you're safe. Um, so to do that, we, we recommend you consult with either uh, your medical or nutritional practice, practitioner or, you know, obviously we fall into that category. Um, so if you do want uh, professional advice, uh, contact us. Um, so don't just uh, go ahead with nutritional supplements without knowing how they interact with if your medications, if you have any. Yeah, I think that's a really um, key point to get across is, um, you know, just check all of that out first before taking supplements. Just don't go and buy them off the shelf and start taking them if you're on medications, even if you're not on medications. You know, it's important to make sure that you're you're, you're using the correct ones. And- well, also, Karen, I mean, there are, you know, some good quality supplements um you know, you pay for quality, don't you? So you want to make sure you're buying the right ones for you and not buying something that you're not going to get the benefit from. So that's another reason, I think, for taking advice, isn't it? Yes, and and, and also we can assess the therapeutic levels that are needed for that individual. So, okay, so let's move on. Next up is some mindset module advice. Now, I was thinking we'd steer on um, these themes of of how to support your mindset when things don't go to plan, like when an injury like you, Aileen, or or any life event really gets in the way of your training and ultimately your running goal. Now, this is something I've had to deal with many times, but especially recently, um, because I did have to pull out of a marathon I trained hard for just um, shortly before the event actually took place you know I had completed 
several longish runs up to about 60 miles on the road and re- relatively flat surfaces. And then I registered for a trail run, which was a beautiful run. That was the Beachy Head 14.5 miles. Now that was led by a chap called um, Perry Stock at Trail Run, trail run Explorers. Um, and it was a really wonderful event, which included going up and down the Seven Sisters down in East Sussex in the UK, if anybody um, knows it. So it was really stunning. But the problem for me was the up and down. You know, I really hadn't completed any endurance hill running. I'd done lots of hill drills, but not endurance running up and down hills. So I have to say that following that event, I developed shin splints and I nursed them well. Um, I used the ice, the elevation, nutrition, supplements, exercises, stretches, you know, lots of lotions and potions and massage. So I did do everything I could to support the shin splints. And within a week, I was back running and all was well. But then I had another trail run. It was a 19-mile trail run. And um, and this time it was an actual race. It wasn't just a lead run. And I have to say that within a mile of beginning the shin, the, the beginning the, the race, the shin splints um, set in again. I've got no idea why, because I'd been running um, quite a lot beforehand, but within a mile. Um, but me being me, I'd started, so I had to finish. So I, 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 you know, carried on and I finished okay. You know, I came first in category. There weren't many of us in my category, but um, it was a sense of achievement. But I have to say it was to the detriment of my shins and my aspirations to complete the Windermere Marathon. Um, I was really um, gutted, actually. Um, And I introduced the same recovery strategy but I think that the damage was so gr- so much greater and so was the pain and, and it just didn't go. So I spoke to my PT and my running coach um, and, you know, because I really needed, I think I knew that I just needed to bow out of the marathon, but I needed someone else to tell me to do it. Um, otherwise, I might have just sort of pushed through. So, yeah, it was really disappointing, but um, you've got to take care of yourself and listen to the body like we say or else injury does happen yeah it's interesting that um you know we know ourselves what we've got to do but sometimes somebody else giving us permission to do it can can really help Um, so what were your initial feelings um and what have you done to bounce back from the disappointment of pulling out of the race karen yeah, well, like uh, I say, Aileen, I have to. I was absolutely gutted. That the disappointment was just immense because I trained really hard. I felt strong, and I also felt as though I was full of injury. It was just uh, I was full of um, energy, rather, and it was just this injury that was getting in the way. And it did take me a few days to get over myself, and then I decided, um, you know, to take some time out of running to sort of fully recover, then begin my training again for my favourite annual event, which is the Haute Four in the French Alps. And that's in August. So I've got time to train again and, and introduce the um, the endurance hill drills. I've, I think I've it's really taught me that, that I need to be doing hills over in an endurance period, not short periods, and, and also to maintain that anti-inflammatory um, nutrition protocol throughout. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's been a huge learning curve in many ways. You know, I need to listen to my body, not to ignore pain and stop rather than pushing through. So I've learned quite a lot from the experience that hopefully will support me going forward daily. Oh, I'm so disappointed for you. For this, um, yes, yeah, but never mind, you know, uh, on to the next. Mm. Well, yeah. with regards to the Great North Run, I've only had to defer once, and that was due to an injury that I got about a month before the event. It was again an ac- a little accident I had, and um, I, w- I was really disappointed, um, but I, I knew that it would have been crazy to even try to run, and um. I didn't want to hinder my long-term recovery, Um, you know, and I really hope this doesn't happen to any of our listeners. But if it does and you feel that you're injured or you feel unwell or you're recovering maybe from an infection or an illness, just please listen to your your head and and not your heart. Um, One of the things that the Great North Run organisers always say, and it's sort of in their um, information that they send out prior to the race, they say, respect the challenge um, and they they also give you an opportunity to defer your place to the following year if you have to um, so bear that in mind you know respect the challenge and, and I'd also say that if you do experience an injury during training don't ignore it we've talked about this before get professional help from a physio and they really understand your desire to get to the start line and the finish line. Um, and they'll they'll advise you on some remedial exercises and how to adapt your training plan or your race plan. And I remember last year, one of my running friends had um, a bit of a, uh, I think it was something to do with a hip actually. And, and the, the physio told her how to run the race it was like no you don't have to not run it but this is how you have to run it so that you don't do any more damage and she did and she completed the race maybe not the way she wanted to but she was able to take part so um i think it's all just cautionary advice um that we're giving and we really hope that none of you will need it because your training and your nutrition and your rest and recovery are all going to be in place and that's going to keep you in a good place but sometimes things happen so you've just got to have your mind prepared for it absolutely and our mojo mindset advice when facing any injury really is to be realistic adapt review and take a long-term view to your recovery and your running goals not a short-term view so on that Aileen shall we just wrap up with some GNR fun and fact factoids sort of ending on a on a lighter note maybe yeah yeah it's been a bit serious today hasn't it? I haven't meant it to be but I think it's just good to know know what to expect and be able to deal with it if it comes along exactly it's um, very important so yeah I'm always sort of digging into the GNR um, archives to try and find something to share with everybody but one of the things that r- reminded me um, that everyone's interested in in the day before the race is which celebrity or celebrities will be firing the starting pistol um and um you know it's always something to look forward to and find out who it is and and it's often um an olympian or a sports star of the moment you know whoever's just won something um, might be invited um or it could be a celebrity with northeast connections um so the people that i remember are uh, musician Sting who's from nearby Walls End 
um, TV presenters, Anton Deck of, of Fired the Gun. Um, and then there's been a lot of really famous uh, sports people and Olympians. So people like Greg Rutherford, um, Sir Chris Hoy, Dan Kelly Holmes, um, Ellie Simmons, um, Daley Thompson. So a whole host of different people. And um, last year it was really nice because the, the stars were for specially invited NHS frontline staff and uh, they were invited to start the race to really celebrate them and everyone in the NHS to say thank you for their service during the pandemic so that was a, a really touching moment and I think there was a couple of them actually took part in the race as well so that was a nice thing. That day is really poignant as well isn't it? Um, yeah, but yeah they get some big names in the sporting world to fire that gun don't they as well? They do they do indeed. Yeah. And have you actually met any celebrities um, either before, after or en route, Aileen, when you've been running? Well, I did meet Dame Tani Gray-Thompson. Um, and there's a few who don't know her. She's a Paralympian wheelchair athlete and she's also in the Great North Run Hall of Fame. Uh, she's actually won um, the wheelchair race eight times. So wow. um, I hadn't actually realised it was eight times, but that's pretty amazing. Mm. And um, how I met her was she's actually handed me water at a water station on the Great North Run on two different races. And um, and she also said, well done, Aileen. And that gave me such a boost to have to say that she read my name as she handed me my bottle of water. Um, so, uh, and it's great to think that somebody, you know, like, like Tanny Gray Thompson is there helping on the day. I mean, that is just nice. so yeah. great. Yeah. So yeah, she's my uh, claim to fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly the the celebrities who are running, they set off in an early zone, so they're just behind the elite runners. Um, so you know, usually you, you don't see them, um, but uh, you know, you'll see them being interviewed when you watch the highlights when you get home, um, which I always do. Um, but the year that I wasn't able to run due to that injury, I did go to the start to wave off friends and I watched the elite runners uh, start, which was very exciting. And uh, I think that was in 2018. I was trying to work backwards to think when, which year did I miss? Um, That year, uh, Mo Farrow won the men's race. um, And he's also, you know, multiple winner. He's won six times. And, uh, you know, they always say that lots of people joke about, no, that you know, if you're in the Great North Run, you know what it feels like to lose to Mo, um, and not everybody knows that. Um, you don't have to tell them that you were forty odd thousand places behind the great athlete, but um, <laughs> you can still feel like a winner. Uh, and our friend Bev, you know, Bev is uh, a friend of Karen and I. She's a sports nutritionist, and um, she uh, she actually met Mo at, at the Finishers Village and got a photograph with him. Um, so. Oh. That's her claim to fame. Yes, absolutely. So, and it's great that they stay on and that they 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 do sort of mix with all the all the other runners. And I do also think it's great to to hear that some of them help on the sidelines as well. They're marshals or they're giving out water or whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, it sounds like a great race, Aileen. I still haven't done it yet, so one day I do need to come up north and do it with you. But anyway, I think that rounds up today's episode, Aileen. That's been quite a long episode but really interesting Uh, but just before we go could you maybe quickly give us your key takeaways and give us an outline of what is planned for our next GNR episode 
Okay, so with regards to run training, we're about nine weeks away from race day. And so your run distances and durations of time should be increasing week on week. Um, By the time we get together in about four weeks time, ideally, you'll be running around about an 18k long run uh, once a week. And when we're thinking about nutrition milestones, now is the time to start practicing eating during and post run training. Um, So a quick recap on that is to eat quick release carbohydrates, uh, during your run training and gradually build building up the amount of carbohydrate to between 30 and 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour. Um, when you uh, finish your run, have a quick release carbohydrate food within 30 minutes of completing your run and then follow that with a meal or a snack uh, within two hours of the end of your run training and you should be focusing on a ratio of four to one carbohydrate to protein. Um, so that's really the really crucial thing, I think, to practice in the next month. Um, just a reminder to start to adapt and adjust your hydration in relationship to the weather and your sweat rate. Um, sleep is vital. Uh, it's a vital part of rest and recovery. And uh, poor sleep or uh, sleep deprivation can affect running performance. So I remember all the things that Karen mentioned. And uh, it's really important to prioritize equally training nutrition and rest which includes uh, sleep and if you do experience any kind of soft tissue injury I would really suggest that you very quickly consult with your physio sports therapist and remember that you can support healing and recovery with specific nutrients used therapeutically Um, so I really hope that's been helpful today and uh, next time we meet we're going to be talking about fine-tuning nutrition and lifestyle leading up to race day and that episode is released on the 4th of august so we're getting closer to race day so five weeks to race day Um, so until then enjoy your running everyone and remember to reach out if you need any help yeah thanks aileen and like aileen was saying just to reiterate yeah really enjoy your training over the next few weeks and remember everyone don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance we hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to focus on your nutrition as a vital part of your great north run race training plan During this series, we hope to cover all the vital information you require to have a great race day. Karen and I would love to help you even more, and we decided the best way to do that is to make you a very special offer to join our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program. It's a program designed for runners of all abilities. We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your run training. The program includes downloadable menu ideas, food lists, meal plans and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. But we think the icing on the cake is that part of this program is that you're invited to our weekly coaching circle and we have two short Zoom sessions every Thursday at 1pm and 7pm UK time. So you'll get an opportunity to speak to us in person, to ask questions and get our personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. We really want you to get the best results from this summer's training, so we're hoping that you'll take up our offer. We're offering the program at a very special price of £97. The full price is £297, so that's £200 off the full price. 
So that works out at less than £1 a day over 16 weeks and there's a multi-payment offer too. So we really hope that you don't miss out on this very special offer. If you'd like to join the programme, please book, book via our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Look at the Work With Us page and scroll down to Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners and use the coupon code RACE, that's R-A-C-E, to get the offer. We'd love to see you there and we'd love to meet you in the Zoom room. Thanks very much for listening. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.